Hey, family, in today's video, we're going to be talking about the five critical dangers of not meditating on God's word. And make sure you stay to the end of the video because I'm going to give you practical steps on how you can effectively meditate on God's word, but also allowing that word to meditate and marinate and read you. So let's get right into the def definition of what it means to meditate on God's word. The reason for this video stems from a video I did yesterday. Make sure you check it out. Very powerful video. But I got a question about how to effectively uh, meditate on God's word. And so I wanted to go ahead and do a video today, almost a part two of yesterday, to really get us to comprehend the criticalness of ensuring that we're meditating on God's word to the chance, to the point of it effectively changing our lives. But this is what it means to meditate on God's word. It says to meditate on God's word means to engage in thoughtful, focused reflection and contemplation on the scripture. Let's stop there. So when we're meditating on God's word, we're just not reading it. See, there's different types of ways people engage scripture. Some people just read it as a to-do list. They read it just to say that they did it. And there's others who take the time to engage the text so that the text can really give clarity on what an individual should do next or to remove what's vexed in them. So it means to engage with thoughtful that I'm not just reading with my eyes, but I'm reading with my mind, with giving my mind the opportunity to hook on something in that text to help me to be able to process it in order for me to be processed into my best. Right. It says to meditate on God's word means to engage in thoughtful, focused reflection, meaning without distraction meaning that you're focusing in the moment. And, and it's challenging because oftentimes when it comes down to reading our Bibles, if we're honest, we'll begin to remember everything that we forgot. We'll begin to start thinking of other things. It's strategic demonically or, or, or fleshly for us not to be focused. But to meditate on God's word means to engage in thoughtful, focused reflection and contemplation on scripture. The Bible talks about how the word of God is a mirror. So when I'm looking in the word of God, I'm looking at myself to really see uh, what needs to be removed off the shelf of my heart and how to bring out the wealth in the scripture to make me into a better person. It said it involves deeply pondering the meaning and implications of specific verses or passages, allowing them to permeate one's mind and heart. What this means is it means I have to deeply ponder the meaning. What is the word of God saying? What does it mean? And what are the implications if I don't apply my life to this scripture? What are the implications on my marriage? What is the implications on your singleness? What is the implications with your children? What is the implications of your purpose? What are the implications if I choose not to adhere and apply this scripture? It says allowing them to permeate one's mind and heart, meaning that I got to allow the word of God to marinate on me to such a degree that it actively and actually changes my mind and renews or refreshes my heart to the point to where now I play a part of what the scripture is doing in my heart and its overall intentional mission of the reason why it was written. Meditation on them, 
Oh, meditation on God's word goes beyond mere reading. So if you're just reading your Bible, my friend, you're only doing 5% of what is required when it comes to reading. See, when it comes to reading God's word, there has to be a, a, a opportunity and time for the word to read you. See, the goal for the Bible is not just to read it, just to read it. But the goal of the Bible is to give it the active power that it has to permeate into my heart and mind to read me. The Bible says the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, able to separate spirit and soul. What that means is that the word of God was strategically written to divide spirit and soul so that it can be able for it to be where it needs to be to be able to deal with the darkness of one spirit and begin to deal with the complexity of one soul so that when that individual allows the word to activate, it becomes whole. I tell my students all the time that when their parents ask them to clean the tub or to clean the bathroom, I said, do your parents tell you to clean the tub or the bathroom with mere soap? The student says, no. I said, why not? Because it doesn't have active ingredients. The word of God is active, sharper than any two-edged sword. So they, they say that they'll go get the comment or they'll go get a, a, a substance with more active ingredients. So if we want to truly be cleansed, we got to not just read the ingredients of the active ingredients, but we got to allow the active ingredients to permeate inside of us so that it begin to clean every area of our lives. Meditation on God's word goes beyond mere reading. It involves internalizing the message. In order for me to remove the mess in my life or to allow the mess to age, I got to allow and internalize the message. What is the message of the word of God when it comes to loneliness, when it comes to uh, uh, lust, when it comes to pride, when it comes to envy, when it comes to jealousy? I got to internalize its message, its message of hope, its message of change, its message of reality, right? It said it involves internalizing the message, seeking, understand. So that means when I'm reading the Bible, I'm not reading just to be reading. I'm reading to seek understanding. Can I stand under this message? See, understanding means that I have to strengthen my legs to stand under the weight of the message or the implications of one thing. So meaning when I read the word, I'm seeking to understand it so I can have the strength needed to stand up under temptation, to stand up under, to stand within the, the winds of pride. So I'll be able to understand the scripture enough that I won't be moved by this or that, right? It says, and allowing the truths found in the scripture to shape one's thoughts, attitudes, and actions. That's the goal. The goal is to allow. I have to seek. I have to internalize. I have to allow the truth. Because one thing about truth, the Bible says the truth will set you free. The reason why many people do not want the truth because they don't want the responsibilities or the accountabilities that comes with freedom. See, everybody wants to be free, but not everybody wants to be free. Right. Freedom means I'm able to live within the confines to the point to where I'm now able to operate even in the midst of slave culture, even in the midst of temptations, even in the midst of whatever, that I'm allowing the scripture to shape the way I think, to shape the way I feel, and to shape how I behave. That's the goal. So that the, the scripture will be active in my life, sharp enough to get down to the root reason of why I do. See, that's why you have to seek to understand and allow the word of God to read you. Why? Because the word of God is active enough to cleanse and sharp enough to go deep in. 
See, I need the word of God to go deep in to those dark, murky areas of one's heart, the, the areas of resentment, the areas of abandonment, the areas of insignificance, the areas of, of, of the deep, dark areas that contribute to the sins we see. See, the sins we see are not the sins we see. So the sins we see are sins we see, but the sins we don't see are the real root reasons why that sin is seen. So when I go down to the scenes and get down to what is really contributing, the word of God revealing my heart, like when Jesus said that when a man looks at a woman with lustful intent, he says it's been said that that man has committed adultery. Or, or when a man, uh, 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 they say that when a man actually commits the act of adultery, that's adultery. No, Jesus says, I'm going to go deeper into the man's heart and let them know that when you uh, um, uh, uh, look at a woman with lustful intent, you've already committed adultery with her in her heart. So the word of God is not sitting there saying, hey, this is what you heard. This might have been what you heard about a, a murder or about adultery, but I'm going all the way deep to the heart, the heart of the matter. Not just the matter, but the heart of the matter. So I can find out why it matters for me to be who I need to be. Let's keep going. Allowing the truths found in the scriptures to shape one's thoughts, attitudes, and actions. In this practice, that's why I put it there. Meditating on God's word is not a casual thing. It must be something we practice. Yeah, we're talking about practice. We care so much about performance and how to look the part, but not actually have the parts. The goal is not just to um, look the part or to perform it. The goal is to actually have it in my life. And, and the only way it can be in your life is through effective practice. In this practice, individuals often repeat or mentally chew on specific verses, fostering a profound connection with the divine teachings and promoting spiritual growth. So when one practice this, they'll actually uh, be able to bear the fruit of it, which is spiritual growth and profound connection. So that when you're uh, in a, a contrast or in a battle, then that scripture is so a part of you that you can endure it because you have a profound connection to the meaning of a text, and now it can be used as a weapon to navigate. Now, we're going to talk about two scriptures here uh, in regards to meditating on God's word that I think is very profound for us to break down. Now, the first one is Joshua 1.8. It says, this book of the law should not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Now, how many people watching me right now? Raise your hand in the chat or raise your hand in the room. Who wants to have good success? Success in marriage, success with children and parenting, successful in business, success at your job. How many people want good success? Now, that's why I tell people, just don't, don't just read the Bible. Read the Bible in patterns. And read the Bible looking for principles that you can apply. Let's break down. It says the book of the law should not depart from your mouth. Meaning that my mouth should be more full of scripture. That when it comes out, uh, words that come out of my mouth should either be scripture or align with scriptures. Right? Or will, will be useful with other people. So don't let this book of the law depart of your mouth. So that, that we, we got Carrie saying me. Or Letha saying me. 
That's right. We want good success. But in order for us to have good success, we got to make sure that the word of God does not depart from my mouth because the word of God has power. If you want to shape success in your marriage or shape success in your children's life or shape success in your entrepreneurial endeavors, the word of God has to be the top things that come out. I'm not saying saying that uh, while you're watching a game, you're quoting scripture. I'm not saying it. But what I'm saying is when it comes to life giving communication, that it has to be a word in the mixture. It don't have to be an actual scripture, but the word is in the mixture. That when you're talking to your wife, you're, the scripture can be felt what it means by loving kindness or 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 or, or gentleness that dwarfs wrath. Like, like you may not be quoting scriptures, but the scriptures in the mixture of your words and it can't depart. All right. It says this book of law shall not depart from mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. I love that. That when it comes to certain life situations, in order to effectively navigate the turbulences or the terrain, you have to take a scripture that combats that undesirable situation and you have to meditate on it day and night. I give the example of 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 chicken and how. Uh, when you marinate chicken, that the purpose of marinating chicken is, is for the chicken to take on the flavor of the marinade, that, that people will literally uh, put their chicken or whatever meat inside of a marinade and let it sit day and night. And while that chicken or, 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 or uh, meat is marinating in that marinade, when it's time to cook the chicken, the chicken is no longer bland, right? Now, when, when that chicken is marinating in that marinade, it is giving itself a new flavor. The same is with us as believers, that when we sit in scripture and we allow our thoughts, our emotions, and our attitudes to sit day and night, in the scripture, now then the scripture will then become a part of our mixture. So just like the chicken, when the chicken comes out of the marinade, see, before the chicken went into the marinade, it was just chicken, chicken leg, chicken thigh, chicken breast, chicken wing. But when it came out the marinade, it had a new name. It had a new flavor. It's no longer just chicken. It's teriyaki chicken. It's not just chicken anymore. Whatever the marinade is, it completely changed the name. Look at Abraham. Abraham was Abram. But when he when he met God and they had a conversation with God, he became Abraham. So when you begin to sit in the scripture, you change. You, I'm no longer Josh. I'm now Josh, faithful Josh, Josh, a man of faith, a man of character. Now I become the scripture. That's why you have to meditate on day and night because the mind is powerful. The mind or your soul is a sponge. And either way, you're going to be the flavor of either organic marinade or some chemically infused marinade. It's your, it's your choice. So the goal is, to say, OK, I'm going to make sure that I sit in this scripture, meditate on it, allow it to change me. So that when I come out of that season of marinating, that scripture is a part of me and I am now a new person in that area. It says, but you shall meditate on it day and night. So in order for me, in order for the law not to depart from my mouth. I have to meditate it in my heart because out of the heart, the mouth speaks. You are what you think. Right. And so the more my heart and mind meditates and marinates in God's word in a particular area, 
that the Holy Spirit may want to guide you in, then wh whatever comes out of your mouth will be faith-filled words with scripture in the mixture. It says, when you do this, it says, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written within. So now I have to be careful to literally do what is written within. In order for me to be careful to do what's written within, I got to have it within. So are we able to look at a scripture and really ask ourselves the honest question, am I careful to do what this says? Because the principles will principle. Like those things will, will manifest that if I live out the principles of the text, then I can't help but have success next. Just be careful to do according to all that is written. And for then, for then, meaning that if I do the prerequisites, then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Listen, if your way is not prosperous, it could be there's a lack of adherence to the principles of God's word. And it could be affected by what you allow out of your mouth, the curses out of your mouth. So if the word has departed from my mouth and the word is not a part of my heart, then I can't help to have my way prosperous or have good success. So I got to be careful to walk in the scriptures when it says about being a husband. I have to be careful to walk out with the scripture when it says to being a father. I have to carefully walk it out if I truly want my way to be prosperous and have good success. That's why we have to be legacy individuals. We got to think long term. Then you will begin to understand uh, the criticalness of meditating on God's word. The next verse is this. Uh, Psalms 119.11. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Here's the connection. This verse expresses the act of memorizing and not just memorizing, but memorizing to, with the intent to eternalize God's word, making it an integral part of one's being. By hiding God's word in the heart, a person is equipped to resist temptation and avoid sin showcasing the transformative power of meditating on his word. So now it says, I have stored up. The goal in life is not to try to look for a weapon you have not practiced. The goal is not to be in a situation where you either don't have your weapon or you're not familiar with your weapon when it's time to use your weapon. People who are very good, quick hand speeds, those individuals practice with their weapon so that when it's time to use their weapon, if the skills are already stored up, the wherewithal is already stored up. So when it's time to use it, it's quick and it's, it's a part of one's nature. So that's why it's important that when you face in temptation or the opportunity to sin, that you already had the word stored within so that you can already uh, have already signed your life to the implications of not adhering to that word. So when I know the word is true and I understand the principles of God's word and I desire to have good success in my way prosperous, then when I see temptation, I'll know this ain't worth my time because I know if I practice the principles of this ungodliness, that I will have its consequence. So I stored the word in my heart that I might not. Might not means I may not face temptation today, but I still got to store it up. I may not face an opportunity to sin tomorrow, but I still got to store it up so that when the day comes, I'm equipped like Jesus in the wilderness. Now, here are the five critical dangers of us not meditating on God's word. Reading God's word is only 5% of what it means to read it. 
There's there's a part of reading God's word is also letting it read you. Another part of God's word is to really engage it. And if all you do is go through the pages, but don't engage it, then my friend, you're not going to be able to gauge with it. You're not going to be able to see your growth and where you are. Now, here are the five critical dangers of not meditating on God's word. And they want to get into practical ways that you can meditate. And also, if you want to go ahead, go ahead and download the worksheet. Um, I'll show the worksheet towards the end. I have a worksheet that will help you take these principles and make it into a practice. All right. The five things. Number one, spiritual stagnation. Without regularly meditating on God's word, there is a risk of spiritual stagnation. The absence of ongoing reflection can lead to a lack of spiritual growth, understanding, and a deepening relationship with God. See, we can't afford to be stagnant. If I use the riz that it, if I use the riz that was used to get my wife but I don't elevate my riz at this stage of our marriage. What I did back then ain't going to help now. So I cannot be stagnant as a husband if I want to keep her rizzed up, right? If I really want to keep her engaged in the marriage, I got to be engaged in the marriage. I just can't just be stagnant. I got to be operative. I got to use muscle. I got to use energy. I got to use focus. I got to use the implication of God's word to keep the marriage fresh. If I don't stir my marriage, my marriage becomes stagnant. And that's why I tell people spiritual growth grows every area. If I don't and you don't grow spiritually, your marriage won't grow. Your kids won't grow. Your, your money won't grow. Things won't grow. Things are actually slow to the point to where there's no, there's nothing. So in order for me uh, <clears throat> to ensure everything grows, I have to have ongoing reflection. How am I as a husband in this quarter? How am I, How was I a husband last month? My birthday is December 31st. So I'm glad that my birthday is the last day of the year. That gives me a chance to reflect on the whole year. And I'm going to be reflecting. How was I as a husband this year? How was I as a, a father this year? How was I as a communicator, a teacher, a preacher this year? Because when the more I reflect, then I could be able to put more scriptures and begin to reflect on areas that may have become stagnant to now make them active. So if you do not meditate on God's word, regularly meditate on it, you'll end up spiritually stagnant. That's right. That's rich. Spiritual growth grows every year. That's right, because we're spiritual beings. The absence of ongoing reflection can lead to a lack of spiritual growth. You have to reflect. Reflection is key to success. I got to reflect. Am I projecting my best? Am I good at what I'm doing? If not, then there won't be no opportunities for change. And then I won't be able to get the active ingredients of change agents in the scriptures to be able to activate in certain areas and clean certain areas. And then make me whole and clean to be able to effectively be effective in a particular area. It says the absence of ongoing reflection can lead to a lack of spiritual growth, understanding, and a deepening relationship with God. In order for your relationship to go deeper, in order for your children to go deeper, the roots to go deeper, you and God have to be deeper. Deep craft out of deep. I tell people all the time, treasure doesn't float. If you want the treasures of life, you can't just be a casual swimmer swimming on the surface. You have to go deeper. <clears throat> Next, number two critical danger is vulnerability to temptation. Failure to meditate on God's word will result in a diminished ability <laughs> to resist temptation. 
The transformative power of scripture when internalized through meditation serves as a spiritual defense against the lure of sinful behavior. So profound. The failure, meaning like me just not choosing to do it, to meditate on God's word will result in a diminished ability. Like the Holy Spirit gives us the mental, emotional, and physical ability to resist temptation. Because when I adhere to the implications and the principles of God's word, and I have a strong desire with an eternal goal for God to say the word is well done, then you will begin to look at a temptation for what it really is, because there's no deep, dark desire for you to engage. That's why when you understand that when uh, when um, lust, uh, when a man is drawn away by that, a, a man, when a man is saying is he's tempted, he's not tempted by God. But every man or woman is tempted when they're drawn away by their own lust and enticed. And when uh, when temptation uh, has conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin, therefore, brings death. So when I understand that there's death on the opposite side of temptation, potential actual death. To my marriage, death to my ministry, death to the name I've built, death to the glory of God through my life, then you will begin to see, oh man, these implications is too big for my participation. So now I don't want to be vulnerable to temptation. Therefore, I got to meditate on God's word to keep the principles and implications alive that will then shake me to my core because you don't, because we have strong goals and aspirations. You remove anything. That's getting in the way. <clears throat> Excuse me. The transformative power of scripture when internalized through meditation serves as a spiritual defense. So now the scripture becomes a spiritual defense because it's, it's active. Guarding against the lure of sinful behavior. So now you don't even want to be, behave in sin, sinfully because you know it's going to mess up the symphony. It's going to mess up the harmony, the coherence of, of you, your family, your children, your wife, your spouse, everything else in your house. And then everything sounds like noise and doesn't have a great uh, 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 a symphony sound to it. Number three, weakened discernment. Meditation on God's word enhances discernment. Helping individuals distinguish between right and wrong. That's very key. We need to know scripture so we'll know the truth. So the truth will let us know, hey, because at the end, at the end of it, ten years from now, you always want to be in a place where you're on the side of truth. Meditation on God's word enhances discernment, helping individuals distinguish between right and wrong. The Bible says, "Having our discernments trained." That's why practice is important. So you'll be able to say that no matter what the world says about staying with your your boyfriend or girlfriend, or what the world says about whatever the different things that may logically, carnally seem okay. The word of God would then let you know this is wrong for these wrong reasons. Like this is wrong for these reasons. And, and, and yeah, it may seem on the surface not to be uh, uh, impactful or dangerous. But when you get to the deeper uh, uh, things, it destroys you. People don't know that uh, temptations comes with a package. Most people order, they want to order sex. They want to order uh, uh, a relationship. They want to order certain things in life, but are not uh, willing to look at the ingredients of what they ordered and what all comes with it. That when you take on something that's not God's will for you, then you don't understand that it connects to all the things that has not been changed in you. And it creates strongholds and soul ties. And then the outcome of that is far worse than if you would have waited for the right one. That's why the greatest test against us uh, in life is waiting. 
That's why God allow. That's why God uh, 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 ensures that there's waiting in the process of having something because waiting reveals a lot. Waiting reveals to the individual the areas that have not been healed in that individual, causing the individual to desire something more than God. Because the more you desire God while you're waiting, you become the individual you need to be to be able to, to actually manage and steward what you desire. And so that's why God has us wait, because then we'll begin to see why it is we don't have what we have. But we need to meditate on God's word to enhance our discernment. So we'll be able to know the difference between bad and good, bad, good and God. So we'll be able to say, even though it's good, the hardest test is not bad and good. It's good and God. It's hard for us to distinguish between good and God. There's a lot of things that are a lot of people that are compatible to you. There are a lot of things that will actually work for you. There's certain careers that will make you a lot of money, but it's not God's will for you. So we need our discernment trained. So we'll be able to discern between what's good and what's God, because even if you pursue something that's good for you, but it's not God for you, then you're going to really find out that it was truly rooted in what was bad for you. That's why it's important to discern. Neglecting this practice may lead to a weakened ability to discern spiritual truths, making individuals susceptible to deception and false teaching. So we got to be in a place where we're not emotional. Modern day Christianity is rooted in emotionalism. It's not rooted in discernment. Discernment is a skill. Discernment is a fruit that, that's birthed in one's fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Discernment is not something that, that you just get. No, discernment is something that you train to get understanding. Because without understanding, your discernment can't operate. Discernment is your ability to perceive something deeper. To really see the true implications of a thing. To really see what's the spirit behind a thing. Because do you think the devil is just going to show up with what he has for you in a way that that's that's going to be alarming to you? No, it's going to be attractive to you. But if you have discernment, you can see the alarms behind the attraction, because behind everything presented in front of you, you got to be able to discern. Is this a counterfeit or a counterpart? See, a counterfeit is anything you try to force fit into your life or is trying to force fit itself in your life. A counterpart is something. That is, uh, that is able, that was meant by God to play a part in your life. And if you're not able to uh, uh, discern a thing, then you're not, you're going to be burnt by that thing. Now, great question. How do we increase our discernment? You increase your discernment by increasing your devotion. You increase your devotion by understanding the importance of spending time with God. Next, you have to decrease the distractions. You got to decrease all the noise in your life that's keeping you from being sensitive. The sensitivity, and I'm going to do a video on this, is being sensitive means removing all of the noises that's keeping me from being able to be alert and focused. Sensitive means that my spirit is so, uh, for instance, uh, if I go without eating a particular thing or eating from a place from a, for a long period of time, when I was eating that thing, I didn't really feel any type of reactions because my body became accustomed to something bad that I was eating. But the more I'm removed from it, that when I go and taste that thing again, because my body is sensitive and because it's been in a place where it's, it's, it's been removed out of my life, then my body responds differently, letting me know, oh, this is the reason why this is bad for me.
So the more you begin to increase your devotion to God and begin to increase your your, your desire and, and your ability to be a disciple of his and begin to understand the deep things of God, and then you begin to decrease the distractions in your life, then when you begin to be represented with these things back into your life, you'll be able to say, oh, now I see why this ain't good. So the more you devote your life to God and the more you remove the, uh, the distractions that's keeping you from being devoted to God, you naturally become sensitive because now when you're back uh, as an operative and that thing is being presented, you will be able to say, oh, this is the reason why this is not good. And I'm going to do a video on discernment and, and, and because it is a lot of great rich stuff there. Now, uh, it says, uh, may lead to a weakened ability to discern spiritual truths, making individuals susceptible to deception and false teaching. Now, number four, loss of focus on God's will. The absence of regular meditation may cause individuals to lose focus on God's will for their lives. Meditation serves as a constant reminder of divine guidance and principles, helping align actions with God's purpose. So when I do not meditate on God's word, I lose the sight of purpose of why I'm here. The purpose of my marriage, the purpose of being a father, the purpose of being a preacher, the purpose of being an entrepreneur. The Bible has so many principles for every role you hold. God has a will for every a role that you hold in life. And so when you begin to understand that God's will is your sanctification, because sanctification enables you to properly participate in every role, then you allow the word of God to change you, even though when it's uncomfortable. Because when you read the word of God and it's rough through certain texts about, about the selfish ambitions that uh, men face or the insecurities or insignificance that women face or all the different things that are hard to wrestle with, right? But when you wrestle with it, you get stronger in it. And then when you get stronger in it, then you begin to better understand what it means to be it. Because husband is not a noun. A wife is not a noun. A parent is not a noun. Those are verbs. Those, those are action verbs. And so when I get into the word, then I can actually become a verb so that I can be able to uh, 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 add life and value to the will of God as a husband, the will of God for you as a wife, the will of God for every role you hold. So when you don't meditate on scripture constantly, husbands, should, husbands, we should always keep certain scriptures in rotation. Wives should always keep certain scriptures in rotation when it comes to being a wife, when it comes to being a husband. We should all be keeping uh, marital scriptures in rotation to keep us sharp in marriage. We should always be keeping parental scriptures in rotation to keep us to be ensure that we're great parents. We just can't just read them before we get married and never read them again or read them when we was praying over our child and when it was conceived. But when a child is born, we're not keeping those words on the forefront. Listen, man, like 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 in order to stay fresh, you got to stay faithful. Last critical step and then we're going to get to some practical things. And I got to go emotional and mental struggle. So we said the five critical dangers, number one, spiritual stagnation. Number two, vulnerability to temptation. Number three, weakened discernment. Number four, loss of focus on God's will. And number five, emotional and mental struggles. Meditating on God's word provides comfort, peace, and wisdom for navigating life challenges. Without this practice, Individuals may experience heightened emotional and mental struggles, lacking the grounding and assurance that comes from the transformative truths found in Scripture. This is a big one. 
a lot of people struggle with being accepted by God, struggle with the imputed righteousness of Jesus, struggle with the comfortingness of the Holy Spirit. And because individuals think that they have to work for God's love or that God only loves them if they're X, Y, or Z, then they'll miss out on a transformative nature of realizing the true nature of being sons and daughters of God. Sometimes you got to go through the old scriptures of what it means to be in right standing with God. What, what the, the implications of Jesus' imputed righteousness, meaning that when he was on a cross, he took all of our sins and gave us rights. So when we stand before God, we stand as if we never sinned because the blood is on us, that we can then boldly go to the throne room of grace. That it won't be no, oh, uh, uh, I'm going to not go to the throne room because of this grace. I'm going to go to the throne room because of his grace. Meditate on God's word provides comfort. So you got to go to God's word. And, and a letter, do not be anxious for nothing, but by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. And then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and mind by Christ Jesus. Like you got to go to those scriptures to get comfort, to activate peace, and also go to scripture to find wisdom on how to communicate in your, in your family structure, to communicate uh, or how to navigate. Life's challenges that do you know that meditating on God's word, hiding it in your heart before the trial comes helps you last a while in the trial. That's why meditating on God's word cannot be something you spark on bad days. It has to be stockpiled from good days so that when you do have bad days, you will be able to last the whole day. Without this practice, individuals may experience heightened emotional mental struggles. So right now I have a question for you. Are you at a place where you have heightened emotions and mental struggles? My friend, that is a, 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 a byproduct or a warning that you haven't been in the word, that meditation should be something that you will adhere to. It says individuals may experience heightened emotion and mental struggles, lacking the grounding and assurance. See, in life, we need to be grounded because you don't listen. 2024 is two days. Two days away. And we don't, we all know right now, we all know on December 31st, we'll all know what all came with 2023. But the day you step into 2024, you have no clue of what's set against you, good or bad. And so right now, you have to meditate on God's word to fortify your peace, to fortify your mentality. So no matter what happens in 2024, because there's going to be some stuff that's going to happen in 2024, whether you're going to lose someone, we are going to gain someone, whatever it is, you got to be grounded and assured that no matter what hell breaks loose against you individually, relationally, or nationally, or globally, you're grounded and you're assured. Lacking the grounding assurance that comes with the transformative truth found in God's script. Now, here are some practical things you and I must constantly do to ensure that we set time to meditate. Number one, I got one, two, three, four. Here is what we must do, and I'm out your way. Uh, what's this? Uh, I got more. Uh, okay, good, good. Uh, number one, set a regular time. We're getting basic. Before we get elaborate, we got to get basic. Set a regular time. Set dates with God. We're not talking about being all weird with it. I'm just saying set a time, set regular time. Why? 
Consistency is key in building a habit. The goal we want so much from God, but we're not really, we're not willing to do the grind. Discipline today creates opportunities tomorrow. The more disciplined I am spiritually, the more opportunities I will have. Consistency is key in building a habit. Setting a specific time each day for meditation ensures that it becomes a regular part of your routine. So you can pick morning time, evening time. But let me tell you this, your life, your relationship with God should not surround your life, meaning that your life comes first and then, then your relationship with God comes later. Your life must surround your relationship with God. In order for your life to thrive, your relationship with God can't just be on survive. It has to be alive, right? So you got to say, okay, it's so God, God is not sitting there saying that you have to do mornings or evenings or afternoon. He says, you know what? Look at your day as is. Is it lunchtime that's good? Is it an hour, waking up an hour early? Is that good? One of the things that we all can't control is the night. And maybe for a lot of us, nighttime is better because we can't always control the mornings. We can oversleep, but nights we can control. So pick a time throughout the day. Uh, how choose a time that suits your schedule, whether it's in the morning, during lunch, or before bedtime, and commit to it. When you commit to it, commitment proves you understand the principles and the promises that comes within these pages. Number two, choose a passage. Why? Having a specific passage or verse gives your meditation a focused theme and purpose. So the thing you do, you select. Maybe something that you're going through, find one to three scriptures, maybe one, three, if you just want to kind of couple it. I think I got that in here. And you have a purpose for your meditation that you're really saying, I'm going to tackle this issue in my life. Is it loneliness? Find scripture loneliness to tackle that. God is near to the brokenhearted, right? What If you're struggling with lust, find three scriptures on lust and sit in that thing for a month or two. <clears throat> And practice it in the weather, meditate, and I'm giving you an activity on that. How? Select a portion of the Bible that resonates with you or addresses a current need. It could be a single verse or a, a psalm or a chapter from a book. Number three, reflect and apply. Why? The goal is not just to read, but to engage with the scripture and apply it to life. The goal is not just to read the Bible but to allow the Bible to read you, to show you why you're not the you God wants you to be and why you don't have what God Ben wanted you to have at this juncture. How? Read the chosen passage. That's what I tell people. Slowly. Reflecting on as many. That's what I tell people. Most of us, we go 75 miles an hour through those pages. But when you drive through slow, I'll give you an example. James 1, 2, count it all joy. Do you know it took me months to get through that scripture? Took me months because it took me weeks to get past count. I drove so slow that scripture, I couldn't get past count. Count. What does that mean to count it all joy? Then that's when God gave me the revelation of spiritual mathematics, that I got to be able to know how to do spiritual math, that I couldn't even get to the bottom of one verse. In a matter of weeks, because when you drive through the verse slowly, you can begin to see the principle. 
Most people read to say they've read. No, you want to read so that you can say you've been read. That's why you just can't leave God's word on read. You remember when you get that uh, text message or you've sent the text message to someone and they left you on read and how that made you feel? Imagine leaving God, God sending you a word or God sent you this message and, and, and you leave it on read. No, the goal is not to leave God's word on read. The goal of life is to apply. I'm just not going to leave God's word on read and just say I've read. No, I'm allowed that word to read me so that I can look and live well read. Whew. Read the chosen passage slowly. Go five miles an hour. Go two miles. Take a walk. Don't drive. Reflecting on its meaning. Consider how it relates to your life, challenges, or goals. Ask yourself, how can you practically apply its teachings in your daily circumstances? Great, great. Number four, journal your insights. Why? Writing down your thoughts and insights helps you solidify your understanding and allows for future reflection. That's what I've did for years. I've had notebooks stacking high of me just going through certain scriptures. Like this Bible right here has been with me since 2009. And if I open up a page, boom, you can see all that pink circles, notes, all through that thing. And I used to have notebooks where I literally took like count. What does it mean to count? Josh, do you know how to count things in life? Do you know how to? And so what that does is when you just read, that's half of the solidification. But when you write it down and you begin to have future reflections of back from your growth, man, that thing becomes a part of you. How? Keep a journal dedicated to your meditation practice. Record the passage you read, your reflections, and any specific applications. This becomes a record of your spiritual journey and a resource for futuring encouragement. By setting a regular time, choosing a passage, reflecting and applying its teachings, and journaling your insights, you create a practical and sustainable approach to meditating on God's word. Over time, this practice can deepen your understanding, strengthen your connection with God, and foster personal growth. Now, I don't know if I put this, and I think I did put this in your worksheet, uh, but here are some personal reflection questions that you have to ask scripture, because if you just read scripture without asking the scripture questions, then you won't find answers to the questions of your soul. So here's some things. Personal reflection. What emotions or thoughts does this passage evoke in me? Another question. How does this scripture resonate with my current life circumstance? Great question. In what specific way areas of my life can I apply the teachings of this scripture? Another question. What practical steps can I take to live out the principles found in this passage? challenging convictions. Does this scripture challenge any preconceptions or attitudes I hold? Another question, is there an aspect of my life that needs correction or alignment with God's truth? Prayerful inquiry. What can I ask God in prayer based on the insights gained from this scripture? How can I seek God's guidance and strength in light of what I've learned? Connection to other scriptures. Are there other passages in the Bible that reinforces or expands or expounds on the mess of the scripture? How does the scripture connect with the broader narrative of God's redemptive plan? Latrim, in what ways can the scripture contribute to my personal growth and spiritual and holistic transformation? What virtues or qualities does the scripture encourage me to cultivate in my life? 
future actions? How can I integrate the lessons from this scripture into my daily decisions and interactions? What specific commitments or changes does this scripture prompt me to make in my life? These questions can serve as a starting point for a reflective and prayerful engagement with scripture, allowing the word to read you and guide you on your spiritual journey. So I pray this video was a blessing to you. I have also have a worksheet. I'm going to share that now uh, just real quickly. Oh, man, wrong one. That's wrong one. Give me one second. Let me show you. Let me see if I can find the actual how to meditate God's word. That's not it. Christ-like worksheet. Uh, I think it's it. <clears throat> Here we go. Just allowing the word to read you. So here are the personal key scripture. Uh, I'll go down to the worksheet. Here are the questions. What emotions or thoughts does the scripture evoke in me? These are questions you asked that what I just shared. And then here are some topical scriptures to choose from. So if you struggle with anxiety and fear, I've given you some scriptures to pull from. So you don't have to, if, you, if you're new to this, that you will be able to pull from, from the top 10 things people may struggle with. You take that, take one of these scriptures and put it through this funnel, asking certain questions. And then when you begin to do that, my friend, you'll begin to see transformation happen in your life. I pray this video was a blessing to you. Pray you got a lot from it. Here's some resources that I think will be a benefit to you in this area, especially this book right here, Counterfeit or Counterpart, How to Continue to Discern the Will of God in Every Area of Your Life. This book will help you better understand what discernment is so that you'll be able to discern what's good versus what's God or what's bad for you. Another book that might be a help for those in this area is The Purpose of Freedom, How to Untie Soul Ties, Uproot Strongholds. Um, let's see. I think those are some good books uh, that I think would be a benefit. I have two coaching programs that will definitely aid you in this. If you had a place we like coach, I mentally struggle when it comes to applying God's word in my life. And coach, I wanted to get to a place where my mind is clear about God's will for my life, where I, my emotions are not heightened, where I'm not struggling mental limiting beliefs, but I can get to a place where I'm mentally strong, mentally solidified. The word of God is a part of me. Then check out my resilient mindset program. Links in the description box below. That program will help you develop the resiliency you need to be able to last for whatever that you may face coming up this year that you have the mental fortitude, not to only to have clarity, not only to be mentally competent, but to be mentally creative or potentially cause you to be mentally compensated, that you have ideas that your minds generate that brings generational wealth into your life, into the life of your future generations. Also, if you had a place right anyway, coach, I have holes in my life spiritually, emotionally, mentally, physically. Coach, I have holes relationally. Coach, when you're talking about relationships, man, coach, I don't, I don't, I need to, I need to get the word in me and I need some coaching and some mentoring. I'm successful professionally. I'm, 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 life is great in the area, but I got holes in these areas. My friend, I have a coaching program for you called Fulfillment that will take you from a place of having holes to being whole so that you'll be able to properly hold not just your money, not just success, not just purposeful endeavors, but you'll be able to hold your role as a husband, as a wife as a parent, as a man or woman of God, and that you'll be able to uh, uh, hold those things, not just for a day or two, but for years, for legacy. Hope those things, if those things resonate with you and you're like, man, coach, I need your books. I need those coaching programs. Uh, we starting up in January, January 15th. And so if this is something that resonates with you with coaching, then go to my website, mycoachjosh.com.
Uh, I, the links in the description box below. Go through those links. There's a lot of tools there. Card games, 10 books, four card games. Man, I have over 3,000 videos on YouTube. So immerse yourself in what I believe are tools and resources that will help you become your best, not just uh, for today, but for a long period of time. Love you all. Let me just look through the comments. We had a lot of people. Felix said, that's right. Aretha says, amen. Charisma said, me. Carrie says she's taking notes. That's rich. Spiritual growth grows every area. So true. I needed to hear this. I'm guilty for just reading. I know I need to learn to really meditate and engage. Yes, my sister. Being guilty of that too. There'll be some times where I go days without. So this ain't just for me speaking from a high pinnacle, talking down to you all. There, I have to stay with this myself. Because life makes it kind of difficult. But if you set that routine, it, it has it has uh, uh, done measures in my life. Uh, I love to reflect good. Uh, Carrie says, I don't want to mess up the lesson you can answer at the end. Can you give a few scripts for spiritual warfare that I can meditate on? I will get that to you. Oh, man. Do I have a, a worksheet that has spiritual warfare? Uh, give me one second. Um, let me see if I can find a list in my notes. Also, my sister, check out the last video I just did. I go deep into spiritual warfare. I talk a lot about it. Check out my latest video. It's called uh, For Revealing something, something, something. Uh, but you'll see it. It's on spiritual warfare. But let me see if I can get some scriptures for you. What I'll do is, uh, okay, I'll just give you the, uh, I'll give you a list real quick. Because I don't know if I could be able to copy all these and they'll actually be there. Um, here's one. Let me see. Here's another. Uh, let me see. Submissions of their Okay, here we go. And you can screenshot these because I know I'm about to stop the live now in a little bit. That's another good one. Uh, yep. Yeah. Oh, man, these are all good. I forgot I had these. I had these. Um, I gave this to someone a, a while ago. Let me see. Psalms. Oh, Psalm 91. Of course. Of course. Of course. Of course. Um, let's see. Is there another one? Oh, yep. Yeah. Behold, I've given you authority. Yep. Yeah. I'm going to give you those six right there. I'm going to give you this last one. Let's make it seven. All right, here you go, my sister. <clears throat> seven scriptures right there. I think you're watching on... Um... Latrell says, wow, this is good teaching, God gets glory. My cousin says, amen. What's up, family? What's up, Wesley? Hope you're good, family. Wow, allow the word of God to change you. Do not just read the Bible when you get married and then do read it no more. Truth, that's real. Gotta go, y'all. Love y'all. Thank y'all so much for your time, your questions, trusting me with them, and, and lending your ear. Download that worksheet. I am unplugged. No, wrong one. Mycoachjosh.com forward slash worksheets. I'll post that right now. Download that worksheet. Um, and if you need some coaching resource, I think there's a coaching button down there on that same page. Fill out the application and let's get to work. Love y'all. Y'all have a blessed one. Peace.